Okay, thank you so very much. That was awesome. Please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Well, good morning again and welcome to First Baptist Church on this, what I call the Christmas Sunday. Uh, the world didn't end on Friday. Imagine that, huh? Uh, if you were not with us last Sunday, we began a two-week mini-series uh, called The End. And so we began it last week. That means we're going to finish it today. Uh, I just thought in light of the Mayan calendar deal and the winter solstice that, that it would just be a great time to talk about what the Bible says about the end. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know and understand that any discussion of the end of the world has to revolve around the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, my hope and my prayer is that uh, after we finish our uh, message time today, that you will consider trusting Christ uh, as your Lord and Savior as we contemplate the second coming. Now, I realize that Tuesday's Christmas, and we're here today to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, and well, we should. I mean, he is without question the greatest gift the world has ever seen or the world will even ever see. And um, so uh, the, the fact is the birth of Jesus is what inspires the giving and the exchanging of the gifts uh, that's going to happen all during the holiday season. Now, some of you already have had some family meetings where you've exchanged some gifts, and some of you might today or tonight, and there'll be a few on Christmas Eve tomorrow night. And, but there'll be a lot of folks that on Tuesday morning will exchange gifts uh, with friends and family, and it's motivated and inspired by the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I heard some interesting stuff this week. I was listening to Dr. David Jeremiah on one of our local radios, and he's kind of a hero of mine. He doesn't know me, but I know him and uh, really uh, respect his preaching. But he, he shared some information that just absolutely amazed me, that, uh, that during the Christmas season, Americans, uh, that we will spend $469 billion on Christmas. One-fourth of the year's retail income happens during the Christmas season. Now, that includes gas to drive to grandma's and food and travel and gifts. But here's the thing that's interesting. We will spend, according to the estimates of the this National Retail Federation, $229 billion on Christmas presents. Now, I don't know if you know, but that's a lot. Let, let me, Dr. Jeremiah went on to share some perspective. The next holiday where we give the most gifts, guess what it is? Mother's Day. $16 billion for mothers. $229 billion at Christmas. Now, mamas, don't get worked up. Father's Day, we spend $11 billion. So y'all still, other than, other than the Christmas thing, y'all still got the best deal going, okay? But, but here, but here so think about that. That means that on average, the average American spends $764 on Christmas presents. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not average. There, there's nobody in my crowd getting $764 worth of Christmas presents. So what I was thinking, you know, every year at Christmas, you see these Lexus commercials, and they advertise giving away the Lexuses. I didn't think anybody did that, but apparently 
Somebody has to do that to bring my average and your average up. So, so all I'm saying is that we're going to give uh, a boatload of Christmas gifts. And we're inspired by and motivated by the gift of Christmas who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as we know, he was born and he was God's gift to us. And then the giving began uh, to him. And so uh, as we think about that, I want us to think about that very, very first uh, Christmas because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so we're going to read in Matthew 1 kind of a snippet of the first coming. I'll say a few things about that. But we're going to wind up. We're starting at the beginning, the first coming. We're going to wind up at the second. So I hope you got your tennis shoes on. We're going to, we're going to run through a lot of scripture. But let's begin in Matthew 1. Listen, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name of Jesus. And so you'll notice there in the text that the angel commanded Joseph that you'll give him the name of Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And that is indeed what happened when the little Christ child was born. They gave him the name of Jesus uh, because he uh, would save his people from their sins. And indeed, that's what Jesus has been doing ever since. He died and was buried and was resurrected. He has been saving people from their sins. Many of you here this morning are saved because of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the, the first gift, the great gift, what inspires us about Christmas, the Christmas gift is the, the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And, and to be saved and to be forgiven, salvation, if you will, is a gift that comes from God. The Bible says in uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works, so that no one can boast. And then the Bible says over in Romans 6.23, it says the wages or the payment for our sin is spiritual death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so as we think about Christmas... We need to think about the gift of salvation. Now, sometime during the holidays, maybe on more than one occasion, you're going to gather around with your family and you're going to celebrate the first coming of Jesus. And I hope that if you're in town, that tomorrow night you'll come over at 5 o'clock here with us. And we, again, we will celebrate the first coming of Jesus. 
And my hope is that when you gather around with your family and you begin, even before you begin to open the packages, that you'll open the Bible to Luke chapter 2 or maybe even to this passage in Matthew, but perhaps to Luke chapter 2 and read that story beginning in verse 1 down through about verse 20, which in detail tells us about the very first coming of Jesus. I hope you'll gather around with your family and you'll celebrate that coming because that's the foundation of the gospel. But my challenge this morning is not just to encourage you to celebrate the first coming. My assignment today is to help you and me anticipate the second coming. Because without a second coming, the first coming doesn't really add up. And so we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about the second coming of Jesus. If you'll find in your Bibles the book of Revelation, you can turn right. It's the last book, Revelation. We're going to look at chapter 1. Now, if you were not with us last week, you do not remember this. But if you were with us last week, you had a homework assignment. In fact, you had two. One of your homework assignments was to read the book of Revelation. Now, if I was a teacher, I'd give you a quiz. But I'll save that because I need the time, okay, uh, to cover what we're going to cover. But I hope you open the Word of God and read Revelation because uh, it is an interesting, it's just a great book. Uh, it should be an encouraging book. And so we're going to spend a few minutes talking about that, and we're going to cover... Uh, a little bit of the beginning and a little bit of the end this morning. But I want to read this passage um, from chapter 1. Listen to verse 1. It says, and we'll come back and kind of talk about a few things in here. But I want you to get a snapshot of the whole book. And I believe we can uh, here in these first eight verses in some selected passages. But in verse 1 it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. You'll note that it says the revelation. Now some people say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid to read the book of Revelations there's no S. There's one revelation. Be, be clear. There's one revelation of Jesus Christ, and it is recorded. This is a, 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 an apocalyptic prophecy, and it's recorded here in this book. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to a servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and to his freed us, from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of, and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And then pay very careful attention to verse 7. Listen carefully. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the All.
mighty. Now in that little section of scripture, we kind of have a snapshot of, of what's going to transpire in the book of Revelation. And let, before we kind of get into that, and I know that um, we're going to tread through some, some, some deep water here this morning, but I, I just want to help you because I really believe the book of Revelation was written. In fact, if you look at verse 1, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. By the way, God gave it to Jesus to show, look at this, to show his servants what, soon, what must soon take place. Now, you ought to take a pen, and in your Bible, you ought to underline that word must. Because the, the revelation is God showing us, the servants of Jesus, what must soon take place. It's not an option. It's going to happen. It must happen. And it must soon take place. And she ought to underscore that word soon. But it's, God wants to reveal to us what's going to happen uh, in the end time. And in doing that, what God really wants to do is reveal to us Jesus Christ. Now, I'll say a little word about that. But here's what I want us to understand this morning. This is so important. When Jesus came the first time, he came... In humiliation. Uh, this talked about in, in Philippians 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 6. And I think that's going to come up on our screen there. Uh, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider uh, equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and becoming a be- or being made in human likeness and becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And so here's what happened. When Jesus came the first time, he came humbly, which means that he came in humiliation, which means the, the little Christ child, when he was born, I mean, imagine this, the first coming of Jesus, which we're going to celebrate on Tuesday, the Christ child was born in a little place called Bethlehem. And by the way, his mom and dad had to go to Bethlehem, as you may know, to pay their tax, to register so they could pay their taxes. And when they got there, they couldn't find a room. There wasn't a hotel room for them. And, and uh, so they finally found a place. It was in the backside of Bethlehem. They said, you can spend the night out there. There's a cattle stall. We'll put some hay in it. And Joseph, you and your wife can lay down on the hay. And that very night, the Christ child was born, humbly. I mean, of all things, the son of the living God was born in a stockyard, in a cattle stall. They wrapped him in swaddling clothes or cloths, and they laid him in a manger. And so he, spent, he took his very first nap in a feed trough. Imagine that the son of the living God, the creator of the universe, by him the whole world was created. The Bible says that through Jesus, he spoke the world into existence. But Jesus considered it, it, it uh, himself nothing. And he took on the nature of a man and he came in a little body and he humbled himself. So when he came, he came in what we would call humiliation because, I mean, he was, he was a, a poor little baby born to a poor little family. His mom and dad couldn't even afford enough money to give the regular offering of a, of a lamb. They had to give two doves because they didn't have enough money. And so Jesus was born humbly. He grew up in a poor family, lived a sinless life, and then, of all things, he was wrongly accused, arrested by the Romans, 
tried by the Romans and the Jews, and then crucified on a cross the very first Good Friday. You know, the Bible says that uh, cursed is anyone who hangs upon a tree. And so when Jesus, he, he was born humbly, and then he died as a curse. He died as a curse for you and for me to take our place and to pay the punishment for our sin. So when Jesus came the first time, he came in humiliation. But that's not the end of the story. If we continue to look in Philippians chapter 2, we'll read on past verse 8. Notice what it says there in verse 9. It says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should should bow and every tongue confess that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so Jesus came the first time in humiliation. But he's going to come again in exaltation. Now, if you go back to Rome, uh, to Revelation, I want you to look at the very, first, the very second word. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Th- does anybody know what the word revelation means? Well, you'd say, yes, pastor, it means apocalypse. And that's true. But the word apocalypse means to, to reveal or literally to unveil. And so when God gave this prophecy to John through the angel, it was to unveil who Jesus was. In other words, it's to show who Jesus is. And so if we were, if, if we were to unveil something, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to unveil what's underneath here. Because uh, I want you to understand that the revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus Christ is unveiled, he's going to be unveiled not as a baby in a manger, not as a, 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 a sacrifice on the cross, but he's going to be unveiled as the king of the universe. And when he comes the second time, he is going to sit on the very throne of Israel as king of kings and lord of lords. And so he came the first time in humiliation, but he's going to come again in exaltation. And I want you to notice verse 7 of Revelation uh, chapter 1. It says, look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. See, when he came the first time, he came in shame. But when he comes the second time, he's coming in splendor. When he came the first time, he he came to a tree. When he comes the next time, he's coming to his throne. He came the first time and he had to stand before Pilate and be judged. But when he comes the second time, all the peoples of the world, including Pilate, will stand before him and be judged. He came the first time as a servant. He's coming the last time. As a sovereign. He came the first time to a crucifixion. But he will come a second time to a coronation. And what that means is that Jesus will be crowned king of kings and lord of lords. And every knee shall bow. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. No one is Exempt. Now, in our culture, uh, not everybody believes in Jesus. Not everyone honors Jesus. Some people 
take the Lord's name in vain. Some people curse the Lord's name. Some people even mock the Lord's name. I checked this out last night. I knew it before, but there, there's even some, some atheists who, who, would, who, who are so bold to mock the name of our Christian God. They call him the Sky Fairy. And uh, they say if you think he's your father, then they call him the Sky Daddy. And they, they mock and make fun of the Lord Jesus, much like they did when he was crucified. But I want to tell you, it's okay. Because one day he's coming, and every eye will see him. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said this in Matthew 24, 30. He said, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. He's going to come. And I'm telling you, when he does, they're going to mourn, and they're going to wail, and they're going to weep. And they're going to bow their knees before the king of the universe. And I'm going to bow my knees. And you're going to bow your knees. All of us are going to bow before the king. Are you ready for his coming? Are you anticipating his coming? Well, if we look at our text, uh, you say, well, how do we know? Well, Jesus gives this promise. He says there in verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha in the Omega, you know what that means? If Alpha, if, if we were to write that in today's language, Jesus would say, I'm the A all the way to the Z. Did you know that if you went over to the children's building and looked in our library, that every one of those books and every word in every one of those books, and I'm, I suspect if we went to our church library over here, every one of those books and every one of those books, every word is written with letters somewhere between A and Z. Because that includes all the, all the knowledge we know of is written in English at least, from A to Z, from Alpha to the Omega. And what that means, what Jesus was saying is, I, I know all things. I am omniscient. I know it all. And then he says, so, so you can bank on this because, number one, I know it all. But he also says that, uh, that I am the one who is, I am the one who was, and I am that one who is to come. And so what he's saying is that I'm... Not only is he omniscient, but he's omnipresent. Did you know that Jesus transcends time? Now you say, well, what does that mean? Well, that means that Jesus is still in yesterday. That Jesus is here today. And he's already in tomorrow. Because he is the one who was, that is, and is to come. That's why he calls himself, I am. He's I am everywhere. Now, we can't understand that, but what that means is that Jesus is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. Now, boys and girls, a lot of you sing this song, you know, uh, Santa Claus, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you are awake. Jesus sees you when you're sleeping. He knows us when we're awake. He knows what we're going to do tomorrow and Thursday. He knows it all. He's the omnipotent one or the omniscient one. He's the omnipresent one. But then also he says, I'm the almighty. And that's a reference to the, literally to the power of God. And what Jesus was saying is, I have all the power. I have all the power. I created the world and put it into existence. I made it all. And so Jesus is omnipotent. And he's coming. 
Are you anticipating His coming? You see, we should celebrate the first coming. We should, we should be delighted in the first coming. But friend, what I want to tell you, what I want to challenge you, what I want to encourage you to do is we need to be anticipating the second coming. Because one day he's going, to, he's going to step down through the stars. The trumpet's going to sound. And he's going to be here. And you better be ready. Now last week I gave you an assignment to read the book of Revelation. And I told you that there was a promise there that I want you to look for. I don't know if anybody found it. But I want you to look up in verse 3 because there's a promise there. Because a lot of people, a lot of Christians are afraid to read the book of Revelation, right? They say, well, I can't understand it. There, there's the signs and there's the, the bowls and there's the trumpets and, you know, there's these different things. They say, well, I can't understand it. But, but look, at, look at verse 3. Here's the promise to the believer in Christ. It says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it. And take it to heart. That's where the book starts. I want you to turn all the way to the end of the book. To chapter 22. And listen to verse 7 of Revelation 22. Now we just read where it starts. That's the promise at the beginning. At the end he says, Behold, I am coming soon. You ought to underscore that. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. God's made a promise to you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, here's God's promise to you. You will be blessed if you read this book and if you hear it. In other words, you put it into action and you do what it says. He tells you that at the beginning and then he tells you that at the end. As a matter of fact, there are seven different blessings that are promised to the believer in Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. If you read through there, you will find them. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to summarize those into three, three practical things that you and I ought to be doing, should be doing, must be doing, anticipating the second coming of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you what they are quickly. Uh, three practical ways you can anticipate the second coming of Christ. The first one is this. Be prepared. If Jesus is coming to be king, we need to be prepared. Uh, the promise of the revelation, and these are kind of interesting, and so you just kind of walk with me. We'll look at chapter 14, verse 13. It says there, Then I heard a voice from heaven write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. You know, sooner or later, if the rapture doesn't come, we're going to all grow old. And we're going to die. And the Bible says if we die in the Lord, we are blessed. Now what does that mean to die in the Lord? What does it mean to be in the Lord? Well, it, it means to know the Lord as your Savior. In fact, if you'll turn over to Revelation 19, he describes that a little bit. Join me there in verse 6 of Revelation 19. John said, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude. Like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. His bride, look at that. His bride has made herself ready. Read on. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. 
Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, the, the key thing to understand there is that the bride of Christ, the church, the people of Jesus, made themselves ready. Have you made yourself ready to meet Jesus? Have you made yourself ready to meet Jesus? There's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin for us. Jesus died on a cross to pay for our sins so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Friend, I want to tell you, if you're going to anticipate the second coming, you need to be ready. And you get ready by opening your heart to Jesus Christ. Are you prepared to meet him? Are you prepared? Secondly, there's a second thing we need to do to be ready, and that is we need to be, uh, we'll, I'll just say we need to be pure. If you're pure, you're ready. In other words, you want to, when Jesus comes, you want to be caught doing uh, the right thing. I'll tell you, I thought about this story. kind of hate to tell it, but i got to admit it. When I was 19 years old, and I'm going back a while, but when I was 19 years old, I got home from college in May, and uh, we was having a drought in Florida, and we had some corn growing, and so we were irrigating corn, and at the time we were irrigating our corn on the farm, it was harvest time for the rye and the oats. And so we, one night, we was up most of the night irrigating corn, and the next day I was driving a combine. If you don't know what a combine is, it's kind of like a tractor, but it's used to harvest the grain. To, to pick the oats and the wheat and the corn and that kind of stuff. And so, so it was about lunchtime, maybe a little bit after lunchtime, and, I, and I'm driving along, and I got so sleepy. And I'm, I'm out in this big field, and I thought, I'll just pull up beside that tree, and I'll just turn this thing off and go to sleep. And it was about 12 or 12.30. And so I pulled this big old machine up, and I, and I just kind of cut it down, and I just leaned over the wheel. And I went to sleep. Well, it wasn't too long. One of the other hands drove up in a pickup to bring me lunch. And he said, man, what's wrong with the combine? I said, nothing. I just went to sleep. And I was so embarrassed. I was caught sleeping when I was supposed to be doing my job. Well, if we're going to be ready when Jesus comes... We don't want to be caught sleeping. In fact, listen to what Jesus said in, in Revelation. He, he talked about it. Revelation 16, he said, don't go to sleep. Look, look what he says, verse 15. This, this is kind of interesting. You've got to stay with me. But he says, behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Now, that, that's kind of an interesting thing right out of the Bible, isn't it? Jesus says, you don't want to be caught naked. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, he means, you know, the Bible says that he'll give us a righteous robe to wear. Here's what he really meant. While you're anticipating him coming, you don't want to go to sleep and, and find yourself doing things that you aren't proud of and that you'd be ashamed of if Jesus came. And so that means we need to be careful what we're watching we need to be careful what we're reading. We ought to be careful what we're listening to. We ought to be careful what we're doing. And we ought to be careful where we're going. Because he's going to come like a thief. 
and you want to be pure. You don't want to be caught sleeping like I was caught sleeping. You don't want that to happen to you. And so if you're going to anticipate his coming, you need to be ready. You need to be prepared. You need to be pure. And then you need to be, uh, here's a word, productive. Let me tell you what that means. Remember last week I gave you two homework assignments? One was to read the book of Revelation, and the other one was to look for an opportunity to share your story, to talk about how Jesus, what Jesus has done in your life. And if you'll notice there in, in 14, 13 of Revelation, look what he says. He says, says, then I heard a voice from heaven, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord for now. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. God expects us to be at work for him. He really does. Did you know Jesus said we need to work while it's day? Nighttime's coming when nobody can work. Now, what is the work of God? Well, it means to obey Him and to honor Him. But one of the most important things of working for God is sharing about Jesus with others. That's one of the most important things you can do. In fact, in in chapter 22, verse 17, Jesus said this. He said, The Spirit and the bride say, Come and let him who hears. Have you heard about Jesus? I have. He says, Let him who hears say come. In other words, we should be inviting people to come to Jesus. You're to be producing followers of Christ. Now, I don't know if you had an opportunity to share about Jesus this week. I hope you did. If you didn't, I hope you will next week. But God gave me this really interesting opportunity. uh, On Tuesday, I got an opportunity to visit a, a gentleman in the hospital. And we had talked before about the gospel. And he just you know, had some questions. Then we talked about eternity, and he really had some questions there. Well, on Tuesday, we had an opportunity to have another conversation. And, and um, I said, you know, have, have you decided about Jesus? And he said, well, I'm just not sure. And so we talked a little bit, and I challenged him to nail down his relationship with Christ and to give his heart to Jesus. And so he did. And that was on Tuesday. And this gentleman was 96 years old. And later this week, he stepped out of this life and out into eternity. And he had an opportunity on Tuesday to hear the gospel because someone was willing to share it. And so we need to be about God's business sharing the gospel Because we don't know who needs to hear it. And we don't know when. See, Jesus said, blessed are those who die in the Lord. Now, over the holidays, we're going to be with family. Many of us. And if they're not in the Lord, shouldn't we be productive and talk to them about Jesus? I mean, shouldn't we? I want to encourage you. If you anticipate his coming, you need to be prepared, you need to be pure, and you need to be productive because he's coming. I want to tell you this story, and we'll be done. Happened a few years ago. There was a gentleman, a tourist, went over to um, 
the Lake Como area in northern Italy. And he, he came to this beautiful castle, and I'll butcher the name, but it was, it was the Villa uh, Ascaniti or something to that effect. But he felt pretty brave, and so he pushed open the gate, and he went inside. And to his delight, everything was immaculately kept. The grounds were just absolutely beautiful, the flowers, the grass. And he noticed there was a gardener. And he went over, and he said, Sir, uh, would it be all right if I looked around? Would the owner mind? And the guy said, it'd be fine for you to look around. The owner's not here. He says, oh, the owner's not here? And the gardener said, no. He's not here. The owner hadn't been here in 12 years. And the tourist said, you, you mean you haven't seen him in 12 years? He said, no, not in 12 years. He says, well, how do you know what to do? He says, well, the owner has a manager and, and he gives me instructions. He says, you mean you just follow those instructions and you keep everything ready? So in other words, you're telling me, Mr. Gardner, that, that you're ready for the owner to come tomorrow? He said, no, sir. I'm expecting him today. And if he comes today, I want to be ready. Dear friend, Jesus could come at any moment. Are you ready for him today? You have to be prepared by giving your life to Christ. You should be pure in living for Him. And we ought to be productive by telling people about Him. In the last chapter of the last book, He said in verse 7, Behold, I'm coming soon. In verse about 12, He said again, Behold, I'm coming soon. And then down in about verse 20, Jesus said again, Yes, I'm coming soon. Are you, are you ready for him to come? Let's bow our heads together. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ in faith, if you've never repented of your sins, and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're not prepared. For the Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. My hope and prayer for you today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, that today you would confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you've never made that commitment, why not do it today? Why not right now pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior? And friend, you'll, you'll get an invitation to the wedding feast. You'll get uh, fine linen, bright and clean to wear. You'll get forgiveness of your sins and life forever. And it's all free to you. Would you be willing today to pray and ask Christ into your life? If you would, I invite you to pray along with me. Not to me, but to him. You can say to him, dear Lord Jesus, today I realize you're the king. 
You came for my sin. You're coming again to reign forever. Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and to be my Savior forever and ever. Come into my heart. Give me, Lord Jesus, a brand new start. Friend, the Bible says that if we surrender our heart to Jesus in faith, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never been saved, would you pray that prayer of commitment to Him today? But I also want to say to those who are followers of Christ, are you anticipating His coming? Are you ready? Are, are, you, are you pure? Is your life caught up? Or are you sleeping? Are you producing? Are you sharing the story with others? May I just encourage you, brothers and sisters, He's coming. It's imminent. It could happen any moment. You need to be ready. I need to be ready. This week we're celebrating the first coming. My hope is that we're anticipating the second one. Because it could happen anytime. Father God, we love you today. We thank you, Father, for Christmas. Thank you that Jesus came the first time to die for our sin and give us life. But God, thank you that he's coming a second time. Apart from sin unto salvation, he's going to sit on the throne and be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. And every eye will see him. And every knee will bow before him. And every tongue will confess, Jesus, that you're Lord of lords and King of kings. Oh, Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, is our prayer. And we ask it in your awesome and mighty name. Amen and amen. Real quickly, look at me. Dan, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite Dan to just continue to play for just a moment. We want to give you an opportunity to make a public decision for Christ. It might be that you're here and you want to become a part of our church. It might be that you're here and you've never given your life to Christ and you would like us to take God's word and show you how to do that. Or it could be that you prayed with me and you said, you know what, I, I, I gave my life to Christ and you've never been baptized and you want to get baptized to honor the Lord. Or maybe you just want some time to reflect on the message. So I'm going to invite you to stand right where you are and if you need to make a public decision, I'll be here. But let's stand together and if God's leading you, you come and surrender your life. Jesus.